Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Good morning. Amen. Amen. What's a, what a beautiful way to lead us today and to worship. I want to thank the worship team for doing that this morning. And as always, we want to make sure that we are having our hearts, minds, spirits open to hearing what the Lord says. Amen. Let us pray. God, thank you so much, Father, for once again waking us up allowing us to see this day. We pray right now, God, as always, Lord, that you would speak to your people. We ask in the matchless name of Jesus, amen. About 30 years ago, uh, I wandered on the campus of CIU. At the time, it was Columbia Bible College. We came by faith to a state that had not been really friendly to people of African descent. In fact, it uh, wasn't considered one of the safest places to travel. But we came, as it were, by faith, my wife and I. And we got here, there were like about seven or eight other African-American students who were here with us, which we praise God that that has significantly changed since the last time I was here 30 years ago. But we came when we had many concerns, one of them of which was like, well, how are we going to pay this tuition every year? What kind of course load would we be taking? Um, will we meet people who would be good friends as we travel along this pathway? Um, how will I get along with my professors? Amen, amen, amen. Uh, these were questions that I was asking myself as a, uh, a new student at uh, Columbia Bible College. In fact, I was an older student because I was about 29 years old at the time. And even though um, I had known about CIU and CBC back then, it was still very much very strange to me. In a word, I was an alien. And that is, I wasn't a part of the family. I was at, but I was not in. I was a student, but I barely felt like I was a participant in the community. And being of African descent, as I said, on a predominant campus that was white, that was really challenging for me. I didn't know if I would survive that. I didn't know if my family would survive that. But I was here trusting God. And so in the sense of that, having an alien mindset, our text today speaks to that issue in Ephesians chapter 2, verses, if you will, 11 to 22. If you turn there with me, we can read this together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. And I'm reading from the the King James Version. And it says here, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off are made near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh, in his flesh, excuse me, the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, 
to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to them that were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore ye are no more strangers and sojourners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Now yesterday when we were together, we talked about from one man. Today we're going to talk about being one people. Uh, just a brief overview of the book of Ephesians. It's a very, very uh, what we call ecclesiastical book in, in that it focused on the church and its development in a lot of ways. Uh, it's broken down to two neat equal halves. The first half primarily deals with the idea of what you would have is doctrine. It is helping us to understand who we are from chapters one to three. From chapters four to six, it has to deal with our duty, our response to the information that we received. Or you can put it another way, it has to deal with principles, principles that are given to you and I to help us to better understand what it means to be a believer in Christ. And then it tells us the practices from chapters four to six. Or you can put it another way, he talks about our position in Christ as believers. And then as he goes from talking about position in Christ as believers, he talks about our application from chapters four to six. And the dominant theme of it is our riches in Christ. These things that you and I have inherited of a spiritual nature from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now chapter two sits neatly between chapters one and three. How else would it ever sit, right? And so it sits there, but it's, it's unique in that after he's talked about our, our state or, or what we've inherited, he just talks about who we are and how we are to access that. So in chapter two, it's really significant that we understand that. Now, he's talking about this idea of something that you and I can have an understanding of with regard to not belonging from time to time. I don't know how you felt when you first came, but I remember what it's like when I had friends, but I was not in the in crowd with those friends. You ever had that happen to you? You know, you're kind of around people, but you're not in the in crowd with them. Or in a situation where folks have boyfriends and girlfriends and they're doing things, but you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend to do anything. You just kind of got like friends, if you will. Or you were the only person who didn't get the invite. Everybody else got the party. You know about this? You know about that? Yeah, I know about that. But, but why didn't I get the invite? You know, so you feel kind of estranged, if you will. In some cases, you're at school. And, you know, you're not on the baseball team, you're not on the soccer team, you're not on the basketball team. You're just kind of like at the school hanging out. So you don't, you're not in the popularity clique, so to speak. You had friends, just not a couple. You, you in this sense, you were in a group, but you were not at the party, if you will. You were on the outside looking in for most parts. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. The Apostle Paul deals with this. 
in a very, very significant way because he addressed the same type of scenario of people who were not Christians and who were separated from God. And he does this, first of all, in verses 11 to 13 by the declaration of being one people. In other words, what he talks about is how God introduces this concept in verses 11 to 13. He says, wherefore, remember that being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off are made near by the blood of Christ. Now he's emphatic. He's telling them, I want you to remember your separation. I want you to remember the type of situation that you were in before God included you. And, you know, and it helps for us to understand that because a lot of times we take for granted what it's like to be in the body of Christ. We have certain assumptions about what it means to be a Christian. But but if you remember from where you once were, it makes you grateful to where you are now. There's something about that, isn't it? I think one of the one of the oxymorons of all Christianity is ungrateful and Christian. Um, um, when you understand what you used to be and where you came from, it makes you more grateful for what God has done for you. He says, I remember, I want you to remember your present union with Christ. I want you to do that. Remember, you were, you were, if you will, defined by three things. You had no governing documents. That's what he means by the idea of covenant here. Now, the way I think of it is when I was at Columbia, years ago when the Earth's crust was hardening, if you will, um, there was this thing called Community Standards Booklet. And that booklet went around and you had to sign that booklet every year. It had the standards of how we were to function as students here at Columbia Bible College. So they had no, if you will, no governing documents and they were, had no hope. And the tense of the verb seems to indicate here that this was something that they did not possess of their own selves. But not only that, they had no God. They were in a cruel world and they were godless. They had no one to govern them. It was like they were sitting on the outside looking in. I think about it in the words of uh, a famous African-American um, um, poet by the name of Langston Hughes when he says, I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. In other words, he was saying, and even America, I was at, but now I was not in. And here in the same way, he's saying that those individuals who did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they were at, but they were not in. They were around things, but they were not included in the body, if you will. It's in verse 13 that Paul uses a conjunction to describe how that relationship changed. Look at verse 13. But now, he used the most uh, uh, intimate preposition here, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, estranged, if you will, you who were once alien, you who were not in the body, he says, you are far off, but now you've been made near by the blood of Christ. 
In other words, it was Jesus's blood that fixed it so that you and I could be a part of the body of Christ. It was Jesus blood that fixed it so that we had intimate relationships, so that we can have communications, so that we were operating off the same operating system, singing off the same sheet of music, if you will. It was Jesus blood that did this. It was Jesus' blood that fixed it so that we were not just from one man, but now we are one man, if you will. You were no longer not at, but now you were in. You were not at the club, but you were on the team. You were, you were not just outside looking in, you were inside looking out. You were not on the outs, but you were on the in now. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about this. When you are in Christ, you need help sometimes. Young in Christ. And understanding that sometimes, depending upon where you're from. Now, for me, it was my professors that did that for me. Dr. Cheryl Schiffman, when I first came here, met me coming down the Holy Hill, if you will, over there where the grad school is. Met me, had a big smile. You have to understand this, beloved. This is, this is the place where the Civil War was lost, right? Okay? So when you are coming from Washington, D.C., where there's black folk everywhere, to a place where there's not that many anywhere. And the first face that you see is the smiling face of a professor that doesn't look like you. You don't feel like you're at, but not anymore. You're being welcomed. I remember this with uh, um, Rick Smith, who was at the time, he was working in the missions office. He sat down and talked to me the whole time about how you need to come here. God is calling you here. Uh, I remember that by, at the time um, as well, um, Jack Lehman, I can go on, Jack Lehman, Anita Cooper, all of these professors helped me to navigate through that process so that I no longer felt like I was an alien to this community. And how my relationship with Christ solidified being a part of this body. And so I was no longer in an alien status, just like many of you are no longer in alien status. If you feel sometimes that you might be estranged, you need to talk to your professors. Develop relationships with, I promise you they won't bite you. They'll grade you, but they won't bite you. <laughs> okay? Amen. <laughs> okay? Then the Apostle Paul does something else. He, what he does is he gives a description of being one people. You know, sometimes we can't understand what it means to function in a relationship with folks who don't look like us until someone gives us a description what that looks like. And then here he gives two things to help us understand. First of all, he gives what we call the proclamation of peace in verses 14 to 16. For he who Jesus is our peace, who have both made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition. Having, between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, to making himself of two, one new man, so making peace. It's, it's profound that he does this because what he basically says is, is that Jesus becomes responsible for your well-being and my well-being. In fact, in this text right here, no more than 43, let me do it this way, 43 times Paul mentions the word peace. Eight times he mentions it in this book and three times, excuse me, four times he mentions it in these verses right here. So it's significant he talks about that because God is about, for those who have united with him, is about bringing about our peace, our well-being. We who were at one time at war with him now are at peace with him. We who at some point in time were estranged or felt alienated now are at peace with him. 
And so Christ, what he does is he declares Christ as our well-being made possible by destroying those things which separate us from him. His death made it so that, that the law which would condemn us now had no effect. He did this by two, for two reasons. One, he wanted to create, watch this, one new man. One new man. One new man so that when people looked at you and I, they would always think of us as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ. There's something powerful about seeing the, the multicultural and kaleidoscope of God's creation all functioning under the auspices of one banner, and that's the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's very, very powerful. It's a witness, it's an apologetic that cannot be denied. When people see we who don't look like each other, yet love one another. And here he does something else, too, at the same time. He brings together, if you will, not only Gentiles, but he also brings Gentiles and Jews together. That's powerful. When you see a completed Jew who has decided to bow the knee to Jesus, who has, who has if you will, seen his family even have funerals for him because he's claimed Jesus Christ. That's powerful. So the first we see of these two these pronouncements. The first clarified its purpose. The second clarified its results. The pronouncement says basically this is what has happened as a result of Christ giving a pronouncement of peace. But now we want to see what happens. So as this took place, the good news of this peace then began to be promulgated, preached. In fact, even though I did, looked at the verb here, it has it set up so in a way that it's, it's the good news of what has happened as a result of us becoming one. Watch this. In other words, we are no longer separated now. We are now brought together with Christ. Now, I want you to think with me on the thought of a child that's on a mall who has been separated from their parents and how they feel when they're out there by themselves. Now, that's a very, very scary feeling for a child to be out someplace by themselves and distracted, or should I say estranged, if you will. But also, I want you to think of when you and your parents had a kind of, you know, what I call a disagreement, you know, for, for spouses, we have what you call a little, what we call a little miracle discord, if you will, or an intense moment of fellowship at which time we're not seeing eye to eye. <clears throat> <clears throat> but at some point in time, we have to declare that the quote unquote war is over and that peace is now available. Come on, say amen, somebody. When we have come together, when parents have disciplined their children and they've come to the conclusion, we're now together, we're now friends, we're okay now. That's what happened when the declaration. The best illustration I can give you all in my own life is uh, we had a um, family reunion some years ago and we were able to have the great, great, great granddaughter of the owner of our family at our family reunion. And I want you to know there was nobody arguing, nobody fighting, nobody fussing. It was a reunion of sorts. There was peace, not war. So we've seen how Paul talks about the declaration of being one people. We've seen the description of being one people. Now we want to deal with the development of being those people, if you will. Look at verses 19 to 22. He says, now, therefore, ye are no more strangers, sojourners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and built upon the foundation of the apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone 
in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And so what we see here is Paul begins to talk about the, our circumstance as a result of that relationship. Our last relationship was primarily one that dealt with alienation. We were estranged from God. We were not a part of the family. We were sojourners. We were wandering around trying to figure out how we should function and where we should be. But what we find here is, what he brings to our attention is, no, no, not anymore. You're no longer strangers or sojourners. You're now fellow citizens of the household. You're not even, you're not even a visitor anymore. You're part of the family. It's kind of like there's some families that you go and you visit with, and the moment you visit with them, you're fast friends, and you're like family from that point forward. The Apostle Paul says, y'all like family now, whether you like it or not. And then he goes on to the next one. He talks about what it means now to be a part of this new relationship, this new building. He's establishing this new relationship. Now, my brief time in architectural engineering, the thing I learned was that before you build a building, you have to, first of all, build a foundation. You have to lay a sturdy foundation. In fact, in some cases, if you lay the foundation too quick, quick if it cracks, it's unstable. You can't use it. You have to start all over again. And so we find right here that God has built upon the foundation, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so right now, many of you are wondering in some way, you know, in reference to that, because you're building a foundation here. Why am I here? You know? Now, sometimes, folks, we, we come here because our parents sit us here. You don't go there, you're not going to college, this is not happening. Okay. Now, in some cases, God has pricked your heart and, and you got here. Some of you might think you came here to play basketball and football and baseball and soccer and business and one of the things, but you really came here to build a foundation, build upon the foundation that Christ established your life. That's what you really came here for. You might not believe that, but God knows that. In his sovereignty, he knows that. He knows what you need better than you know what you need. And in so doing, what it helps you to be able to do is once you go into the world to better reflect that you are part of that one people that is under that one banner of Jesus Christ. That's why this happened. So don't, don't be fooled. Don't be hoodwinked. Don't, don't fall for the okie doke, if you will. Know that Christ has you here to build upon that foundation. So when you go to church, and I hope you are going to church, hope you have a home church that's helping you. When you maintain your sexual purity, that's helping you with your foundation. You don't want a cracked foundation, you want a firm foundation. You want to maintain fellowship with those in church. You want to maintain a personal relationship, personal time with the Lord. Why is that? because it all takes maintenance, beloved, in order for it to remain secure. My wife and I, we bought a house some years ago, but it still needs to be maintained. You got saved years ago, but you still need to do the things that it takes in order for you to maintain a substantive relationship with the Lord. So that's where we are right now, beloved. When I came here 30 years ago, I didn't know what was gonna happen. But God, after building upon this foundation that he prepared, the superstructure upon which he's built, he fixed it so that I would be the type of temple that he would want to dwell in. 
Beloved, that should be a main concern for you today. That as one people following after God, that you are the temple that God feels comfortable in. So we've seen the declaration of one people separated, but now united. We've seen the description of one people at peace with God. And we've seen the development of being one people, a new relationship established as the dwelling place of God. Let us pray. God, we thank you today, Father, for choosing to separate us from the world, to call us to yourself at this point in time in history. I pray, Father, for these, my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you would energize them and use them as great witnesses for you, whether they're on the basketball court or whether they're on the baseball field or whether they're playing soccer or whether they're sitting in a classroom teaching some child somewhere. Lord, use them greatly for your glory as one people in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.